We are uh, together in the, the book of John, uh, the gospel of John at the, uh, at the doorways. There are gospels that look just like this. Uh, you're welcome to pick these up. I hope that you had a chance to maybe explore this a little bit this week and uh, uh, kind of get familiar with the gospel. I talked to you about some of the notes that are here and about some of the, um, the, the, the different wet scriptures that are underlined and some of the headings that are there that can give you an idea to think about the Word of God. Uh, so I want to encourage you to think about uh, reading the scripture, studying the scripture, and applying the scripture. Now, I don't know what you were involved in this week or what was influencing you. Maybe you were, um, maybe you watched a bunch of TV this week and that probably influenced you. Maybe you read some magazines or some favorite things that you like to read, or maybe you listened to the radio or whoever you were talking to influenced, or maybe just your own thoughts in your head, you know, things that influence us. You know, we have the opportunity to be very intentional about who we allow to influence us and what impacts and helps us to grow. And I believe the Word of God is one of the regular things. How, how, did you, don't raise your hand. How much time did you spend reading the Word this week? How involved were you in the Word of God? And how much does God uh, desire to help you? Now, there are blessings from reading God's Word. Uh, we learn God's will as we read the Word of God. We spend time with Jesus through His Word. We learn more about Jesus. We know more about Him. The Word of God brings us encouragement as we read the Word, to know God better, to receive direction from God, to grow as a believer, to serve God better, to be wiser. And you want to be a wiser person? Read the Word of God. Apply it to your life. And for greater spiritual discipline uh, as we read the Word of God. So we're encouraging you um, to be involved in the Word. I bought these so that you would have these. You can have it with you. Carry it in your car, in your purse, when you have some quiet time or you're just waiting somewhere. Spend some time in the Word of God. At the bottom of every outline, I'll tell you the Scripture we're going to be looking at next week uh, so that you'll know from week to week exactly what, um, what we're doing together. So uh, you have the Gospel of John in your Bible. That's certainly uh, okay. But if you wanted to have one of these, you're welcome to these. Also, I invite you to think about giving these away, that we would saturate our area, our community, the areas around us, the people that we know uh, with the Gospel of John. And so these are available to you. They're, gonna, they're at the door again today. After this week, they'll probably be on a little table out in the foyer, so you'll be able to pick them up. Uh, we, we, we gave away tons of them last week, and so there's more here available to you. And I ask you to think about who you wanted to give these to, that you would think about the Scripture and it give you an opportunity to be a witness uh, while you're sharing uh, the Word of God. Study in the Scripture, not only reading it, but the discipline of study of Scripture is central to the whole process of renewing your mind, uh, renewing your mind in such a way that we can respond in appropriate ways to the truth of God's Word. You see, Scripture, studying the Scripture involves not only reading, but observing, uh, active involvement, interpreting, and then application of those concepts, because reading the Word of God calls for a response. It calls for an action, some kind of step that we can take. There's a result uh, that the Bible is looking for as it helps us to study the Scriptures. And finally, we apply the Word of God. You know, apps are a big thing today, right? Everybody talks about this app and that app. You know what the word app is referring to is application. 
Uh, so apps is just kind of a short for that, but it's application. So all of these different um, companies, all these people are trying to put together apps because they're trying to accomplish something through technology in a little quicker way. And so, you know, if, you, um, if you're on a fitness plan, you can get you an app to help you control your cat. No, well, not control. That's the wrong word. Uh, that one's on you. But track your calories or your workout, or it can help you, uh, some apps that can help you with your money and dealing with the uh, uh, tracking your budget and, and, and you know, thousands of others. You probably, if you have a smartphone, you probably have apps uh, that you use, even if it's just a little game or something that you're playing. All these apps. What they're doing is they're talking about applying applications, something that can help. Well, that's the way we, that's the, we don't just read the Bible and even just think about the Bible. We apply the Bible to our life, to our situation. How can I be a better parent? How can I be a better grandparent? How can I be a, um, a better husband or wife or coworker or whatever area of my life, applying the Bible to the situations in my life? So I gave you a little picture here on your outline. Uh, that's called the application bridge. And so this is a kind of a foundational thought of how do we apply the Bible to our life. So it's not just, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this verse or read this section and I kind of just go my way, but I'm asking God some questions about that. So the application bridge is kind of the then to the now and how do we get there in between? How do we apply that? So the then is interpretation. And that's kind of what, some of what we try to do here is to talk about the scripture. The question is, what did it mean to the original hearers? So you often hear me talking about why did he say it that way? And what does that word mean? And what exactly is this passage trying to describe? That's asking that question. What did it mean to the original hearers? Um, secondly, what is the timeless principle that's there? That's kind of the link between the past and the now, between the then and the now. What are the underlying principles that are in involved here. And then uh, where or how will I practice that principle? What is the now? That's the personalizing uh, of the scripture. You know, we don't, we don't always just say, well, that scripture means to me. No, we start out understanding what did that mean and what's the principle there. And then how can I apply that principle uh, to my life? So I'm giving you um, Scripture Interpretation 101, right? So that's, uh, that's what we're doing as we, as we think about the Word of God. It applies all the time, but it certainly applies to the Scripture that we're looking at here in John. So we're today in John 1, 1 through 18. And what you see happening throughout the Gospel in chapter 1 is there's information about the Word, certainly about Jesus, and there's information about witnessing. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the witness uh, part of it next week. But today we're focusing on this idea of the word. Uh, so the way I want you to think about this, um, I'm, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, the seven wonders of the world, right? Uh, you've heard that phrase before. I mean, maybe you could even name them if you need a little refresher. The seven original seven wonders of the world were the Great Pyramid, uh, the Colossus in Rhodes, the Lighthouse in Alexandria, uh, the thing called the Mausoleum, the Temple in Artemis, and the Statue of Zeus. You know, you would think that if there were seven wonders of the world, maybe they'd come up with some new ones, right? Well, they did. Uh, they came up with some new ones. They call them the New Seven. Uh, the New Seven Wonders and... Uh 
Yeah, they're, but they're, you know, new is relative, right? They're all still very old, but another list. The Colosseum is on that, the Taj Mahal, uh, the, great, the Great Wall of China, and, and other things that are a part of that, different, different sites to see across. And, and then, um, you know, they, they make other lists. I know they, they did a list called the Seven Wonders of Nature that were like the Amazon River and uh, all these incredible sites that we see. And, and then some engineers came up with the Seven Wonders of the Modern World. And as thinking about civil engineers, they would be buildings. So they're like tunnels and huge skyscrapers and even the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, you know, I think when we see things like that, when we see these amazing things, you know, I don't know... Um, Maybe you go to the Grand Canyon and you stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon. And I'm sure if you, how many of you done that? How many have seen the Grand? Yeah, there you go. A bunch of you. I'm sure you said, wow, that's amazing. Right? And there are many other times. I mean, uh, you see a rainbow or you see something beautiful. I mean, I even say it. I have a grandbaby. She got her first haircut this week. She's adorable. Uh, and I say to her all times, that's amazing. Uh, you know, we, we have those things in our life that move us uh, that we see, but there is nothing more amazing than Jesus. You know, we, we, we sort of get used to him, right? We sort of get used to him. We come to church and we sing these songs and sometimes they might touch you a little bit or whatever, but you, you know, you're, you're in church today, but you might be half thinking about something going on this week or something you got going on. Uh, you know, we come together here. Jesus is the most amazing wonder of our world. Jesus Christ. So that's what I wanted you to think about. That's what John is working on. John is trying to blow your mind. John is trying, it's like a prologue, one through 18. It's like kind of the introduction he's given. It's sort of like if you went to a, a movie and out in the foyer, before you went in, they had uh, maybe little trailers or scenes from the movie like, this is what you're going to see. This is what's going to happen uh, in, the, in this film that you're going to see. Well, that's the way this is. Uh, John is saying, here are the wonders. And I even got uh, seven wonders of this prologue uh, that he offers to. I mean, he talks to us about the preexistence of Jesus, the conflict between light and darkness darkness, uh, how we're called to believe in Jesus, the grace and truth that we find in Jesus, uh, all these incredible things about the revelation of who Christ is. So I want to give you seven wonders of Jesus in John 1, 1 through 18. Uh, I hope that you will say, wow, that's amazing. Let's practice. All right. Ready? Wow. That's amazing. It's true. Uh, as we go along, uh, I'll probably say it a bunch of times. You say it along with me. We're recognizing these incredible wonders about Jesus. Number one. Wonder number one is Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. That in the beginning phrase, that, that takes you right back to Genesis 1, right? 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so John is picking that up. Um, he's talking about in the beginning that Christ was there, that John wants us to see that he's writing about a new creation. This new creation is not about the physical world that God created, but it centers around the eternal word. Jesus Christ, who is the creator of all. Jesus is eternal. He has always existed as the son of God. In other words, there was never a time when he was not the son of God. There will always has been a father-son relationship within the Godhead. We recognize that this idea of Jesus being eternal, it's not like he just has a title or a role, but it's a part of his identity of who he is. There's lots of passages in the Bible that remind us that Jesus is eternal. He is the son who created all things, implying that Christ was there at the time of the creation. When you consider all the different places that talk about that in the scripture, it's the most normal and natural thing to recognize that Jesus is eternal part of the Godhead. We recognize that the scripture says God sent the, sent the son to redeem the world, that he sent his son as a sacrifice. Well, the implication is that he was there from the beginning. He wasn't created. Uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It, it recognizes that his divine nature is unchanging in the world around us, that at the incarnation, which means when Jesus came in human flesh, that that was his relationship with the Father. Our memory verse from last week was John 20, 31, and it says that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ not becomes the Christ. Sometimes people might think that Jesus started at the birth, at the manger. Jesus was existent long before that. He was always in existence. He came and brought himself into Mary's womb and was born in a manger. But he is the eternal one, the eternal one of God. It does not say that he became the son, but that he is the son. Psalm 90 Verse 1 and 2 says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were born, or thou didst give birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Wow, that's amazing. Jesus is eternal. John calls him the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God and the word was God. It makes you think about that. What, what is this, Why does he call him word? You know, words communicate. And that's precisely what Jesus is doing. Like a, like a clear word from A to Z as all you can imagine. Jesus is the one who spells out who God is and proclaims him and identifies us with him. John reveals to us he was with God face to face in eternity and yet in some mysterious way he is the word uh, that speaks to us as well. Why would he be called the word? Well, maybe we could answer it this way. Maybe we could think about some other ways that John could have described him. Um, I know this will sound odd to you, but I guess he could have called him the deed instead of the word. You know, he, uh, one of the differences between a deed, you know, God did lots of deeds, 
But he wasn't just talking about the things that were happening. You know, words capture meaning. Words capture the clarity of who we are. God did many deeds in history, but he, John is giving us great priority uh, to the word, the high value on clarity and communicating who God is. Jesus wasn't just the thought he wasn't just God thinking. He was the word that came uh, to communicate with us. Jesus is the word. It's John's way of saying that Jesus is the eternal existent son of God and that he came to communicate with us. You know, the John, the first chapter of John is not simply about information. It's about communicating uh, truth, always recognizing the communication between the Father and the Son that has always existed. But even more important for us is that the Son of God became divine communication to all of us. I mean, in a, in a word, calling Jesus the word implies that it is God expressing himself to us. Jesus is the final word. Jesus is the ultimate word. Jesus is uh, the final answer, as they used to say on that, that show. Um, what is the final answer? It is Jesus. He is the word, and Jesus is eternal. Number two. Wonder number two is that Jesus is God. Would you say those words? Jesus is God. That really is the, I mean, nothing could be higher. Nothing could be said that's higher than that. All that may be said about God is all wrapped up in that statement, and we can't water it down. John is, John is not merely saying that there's something divine about Jesus. He's affirming that he is God. Um, the scriptures proclaim it. Remember in John 5, we'll see later that Jews sought to kill Jesus because he was making himself equal with God. And Jesus never corrects them. He recognizes that he, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is not merely someone who's a lot like God or someone who is very close in their walk with God. Jesus is the most high God himself. Titus 2.13 says, as Christians, we are looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Remember when Thomas, when his doubting, when he comes to Jesus and he sees the hands and his feet and his side and he sees those scars, he cries out, my Lord and my God. Jesus is God. Isaiah says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Jesus is the one who was God himself. I mean, another way that the Bible teaches that Jesus is God is by showing us that he had the attributes of God. Jesus knows everything. Jesus is everywhere. He has all power. He depends on nothing outside of himself for life. He rules over everything. He never began to exist and he will never cease to exist. He's our creator. In other words, everything that God is, Jesus is. For Jesus is God. Every person, all three persons of the Trinity are fully God. Um, you know, Jesus is not kind of like one third God. Um, 
all are fully God. Jesus is fully God. He's God, the incarnate son, which means that everything that is essential for being God is in Jesus. Jesus is not part God or one third God. He is fully God. Colossians 2, 9 says, for in him, all the fullness of the divine dwells in bodily form. He is given all judgment by the Father to the Son, so that all will honor the Son as they honor the Father. That is a bold claim for us. I mean, the, um, right at the climax of the, of the whole gospel, we see that Jesus is affirmed as God. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He is God. Wow, that is amazing. He is the Word that is spoken to us. When you think about Jesus being God, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man while he was on earth. I know it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense, but he was fully God and fully man. Um, God came into our world. God became a part of our world as Jesus Christ uh, became. Now, I was talking to you about application. Uh, what, what difference does it make? What difference does it make to us that, that God came to us in Jesus in the flesh? I mean, it's one thing to recognize that he's God, but it's another thing to realize that this God who came in the flesh is your best friend. Your best friend. That's pretty astounding. Some of the things that uh, begin to feel out of control in your life. You feel like you don't have any control over it. You wonder if things are falling apart. You just remember that God came in Jesus to reach out to us. The truth is that Jesus is God. Number one, Jesus is eternal. Number two, Jesus is God. Number three. Number three is that Jesus is creator. Jesus is creator. John going out of his way to make sure. Genesis 1.1 said God created the heavens and the earth. Then in Colossians 1.16, it says the added detail that God created all things through Jesus Christ. We see it in this verse, verse 2 and 3. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. You know, once in a while, people like to say, Oh, the Bible is so difficult. You know, it's filled with riddles. It's kind of a puzzle to me or whatever. How could it be clearer than that? Through him, everything was made and nothing that was made has not, has not, nothing that has been made was not made without him. He made everything. He made it all. He's the creator of all of us. Um, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Jesus was with God in the beginning at creation. Jesus existed eternally. Jesus is distinct from the Father. He is with the Father. He's the same nature. He was God. The Bible tells us, Hebrews 1, 2, in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Christ created through him the whole universe, uh, recognizing just what John says, all things made through him. That's Jesus. All things made uh, by him. Uh, all those things made because he is our creator. He made you. He made me. Do you notice that John, just like in Genesis 1, right at the beginning, it doesn't say, do you think God exists? It, it's not interested in your opinion uh, about that doesn't say, what do you think? It says, you better duck because I'm getting ready to hit you right between the eyes in the beginning, God. Uh, in the beginning was the word. And John says, there never was a time 
Uh, but he was not. He's our creator. He's the image of the, the invisible God. He, if all things have been created through him, he's clearly not created. He's eternal. He's the creator uh, that has made uh, every one of us. Uh, so we recognize that Jesus is eternal. Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator. Wow, that's amazing. We, you can see what John is up to. He's trying to move you about the, the foundation of your life, the foundation of Christianity. Number four. Wonder number four is that Jesus is life. Jesus is life. Now, Earlier, he's talking about the creation and that he created us, but he recognizes he's not just talking about life that comes because you were created, but life that is provided and given to you through your relationship with Jesus. You know, if you really want to live, you got to know Jesus. There are lots of people that are alive, walking around all over the world, but there are many of them that are still looking for meaning, looking for fulfillment, looking for life that would have any value and the word of God and John here says in him was life and that light life was the light of all mankind in him was life. He's the life. He's the light. He is the light of the world. Um, you, you can already see the parallel with Genesis, can't you? In the beginning, God created. Uh, remember, God says, let there be Light, let there be light. And there was, and we see the sun and the moon and the stars and, and, and light is created, recognizing that God created physical light that would light our world. Well, John is saying in the new creation, we're not just talking about physical light. We're talking about the light of Jesus in the heart and light of every person, every human being uh, as we receive him, uh, recognizing his light. I mean, as you, as you look at this scripture, you can see I laid out for you. Uh, the way this light is expressed. Jesus is life, but wonder number five is Jesus is light. In him was life, and that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, the darkness has not over. I don't know what you brought in here today. Maybe you got an area of darkness in your life, something that is overwhelming to you, something that's creating depression or discouragement. But I just want to tell you the light of Jesus is stronger than the dark. Uh, it overcomes the dark, the darkness. One translation says the darkness cannot comprehend the light. It overwhelms the light. The light causes darkness to tremble. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He's not talking about the John that the gospel writer is. He's talking about John the Baptist, the baptizer. We'll talk about him some next week. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself, talking about John the Baptist, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Uh, Jesus is uh, the light uh, that 
so encourages us. There were four responses in that scripture uh, to the light that you could see. One was that John the Baptist gave witness uh, to the light. Uh, he gave a witness to that light uh, in his life and recognized that Jesus surpassed him because Jesus was before him. Now, John the Baptist was about six months older. Remember, uh, his mother was Elizabeth and he was a little bit older, Jesus' cousin. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about their earthly age or when they were born. He's talking about that Jesus existed for all eternity. He's recognizing who Christ is. And he's saying that uh, some people are witnesses to the light, like John the Baptist. Are you witness to the light that is in your heart as you receive Christ? There's a second response to the light. It says the world did not recognize the light, verse 10. Uh, how do you do that? I mean, if you're in a dark room and somebody turns the light on, how do you not recognize the light? If you are blind, you don't see the light. If you don't have the ability to see, the capacity to see, you don't see it. You're blind. And the Bible says that when you're without God, you're blind. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I see. See, the difference is the light that he has shined on all of us. Without God, we are, we are in the darkness. We are blind. The Holy Spirit comes and enlightens our soul and helps us to see him. Another response to the light was his own did not receive him. Uh, verse 11. They were, it wasn't that they didn't, didn't just recognize him. They didn't receive the light. Oh, this is a problem, isn't it? Not just recognizing the light, but receiving the light, knowing that there's a light there, but refusing to receive it. If there's a, a light out there and we don't receive it, the only way that, that we can receive it in our darkness is to open our hearts and to receive it as Christ. Uh, what he's saying about these people is they didn't accept him. They didn't receive him. John the Baptist gave witness to the light. The world did not recognize the light. His own did not receive the light, but... Those who receive the light become children of God. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a child of God? It means that you have received Christ and you are God's son, God's daughter. Wow, that's amazing. It means that God is your father. And we need that, don't we? Sometimes we haven't had the best fathers. Or maybe you had a great earthly father. But we all need this heavenly father and the light that Jesus came to reveal. It means that Jesus Christ is with us. We become a son or a daughter of God. When that happens, it changes everything. It changes our future. It changes eternity. It changes your inheritance. It changes your name. It changes his promises. It changes everything. It changes who we are because now I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God giving my life uh, to him. I mean, if you don't know that verse, you need verse 13 because you'll hear people say, well, isn't everybody a child of God? No, this says... You become a child of God when you receive Christ, when you receive that light uh, into your life. Uh, and as a believer, the truth is that we become children of God when we receive him. I mean, if you're a, what am I talking about today? I'm talking about foundation, foundation, that if we don't have the right foundation, 
we can kind of find ourselves wandering and struggling. The world that we live in is all about debating and about doubtfulness and, and that you really can't put your trust in anything and there's really no truth. John says in his gospel, there absolutely is truth. There are wonders. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is God. Jesus is creator. Jesus is life. Jesus is the light of the world given for all of us. Truth that he offers to us. Clear, absolute foundation. He recognizes that there's another wonder. Maybe the most incredible wonder of them all. Number six. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. Our memory verse is John 1.14. Hope that you will memorize this verse. I think in the context of this prologue that we're looking at, it's one of the most incredible verses in all the Bible. Uh, we're going to read it and say it together. It's printed for you. It'll be on the screen. We'll say the reference, and then we'll say the verse, and then we'll say the reference. Ready? John 1, 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 14. Uh, such an exceptional verse of Scripture. The, the rest of it goes on to say, God testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. That's the meaning of the word incarnation. God has decided to come and be a part of us. It's really the essence of Christianity, right? That God came to us. Jesus left his throne in heaven and chose to allow the Father to send him to be uh, our Savior. The scripture says he became flesh. Flesh. Walked among us. A real man, 100% man, 100% God, God in uh, the flesh. That's amazing. The scripture says he made his dwelling among us. That word dwelling is an interesting word. The original, probably the most accurate is probably tents or tented, T-E-N-T-E-D, like a Boy Scout tent. Uh, the idea there was that Christ has come and pitched his tent among us. Uh, maybe tabernacled is a good word because tabernacled was the way that they worshiped God in the Old Testament, recognizing that the tabernacle represented where the presence of God was, the temple. They, they built this tent of meeting, this tabernacle, and when they wanted to worship God, they would go to that place where the presence of God was. Um, God said that his presence would be there in the middle of this tabernacle, and then Jesus comes. Jesus comes, and in the New Testament, we see that God was present in the world through Jesus Christ. It wasn't just a manifestation of his glory, not just a shining light. It was God himself in human flesh. It was something that everybody needs to understand that that's how God worked. That's how God works now. It came to us. Wow. Isn't that amazing? 
Here he, he's come to us. And now, how does, how does God work? How does his presence work in us now? Well, we recognize that his presence came to be with us. He walked among us as, uh, as the people of God. And now he's gone back to heaven and the Holy Spirit is with us. And that doesn't mean that you and I get to be gods like Jesus was. It simply means that he's still God in flesh. God in my flesh. Not just walking around, but he takes up residence. This is really the essence of Christianity, isn't it? This is it. That he's eternal, creator, he's God, God in the flesh that walked among us and now has decided to take up residence uh, inside of us. These wonders, God in the flesh. Finally, number seven. Number seven is Jesus is the revealer of the Father. Jesus is the revealer of God. It's just so foundational. I mean, if Jesus is not God in the flesh, we don't have a Savior. If he's just a good man, then nobody saved us. He's the Almighty God that has come among us. Verse 18 says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who himself who is himself God and his closest relationship with the Father has done what? Made him known. Made him known. Literally, uh, you're like this, uh, Irene. Uh, literally is uh, exegeted. She's been in class. She knows what that is. Exegeted is what they teach you that um, when you're studying the Word of God and you're preaching, uh, we are, because exegete means to reveal. To make something come alive. You know, I, I don't usually call myself a preacher because what I really want to be is a communicator. I want the Word of God to just get up and dance around in here. I want it to be alive. I want it to penetrate your thinking so that, 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 I, that, I, that we could exegete the Word of God, that it becomes alive. And that's what, that's what Jesus does to the Father. You want to you know what God's like? Look at Jesus. You want to know how God will respond in certain circumstances? Look at Jesus. Do you want to know how God would pray for people? Look at Jesus. You want to know uh, how God would exercise judgment in any situation? We look at Christ. As we look at Christ, as we recognize him, we, we recognize that everything that we need to know about God is in Jesus. Jesus is different from all other religions in the world because every other religion, there's a difference between the founder and the message. Buddha didn't save anybody. He simply said, if you want to be saved, follow the noble path. That's, but Jesus doesn't, there's not a difference between Jesus and his message. He said, he didn't say, I'm pointing you to the message. He said, I am the message. Jesus didn't say, I will show you the way. Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I will teach the truth to you. He said, I am the truth. And he didn't say, I'm going to open a door so that you can find life. He said, I am the life. Jesus is the full representation of God himself. Wow, that's amazing. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is God. Jesus is creation. Jesus is life and light and God in the flesh. And Jesus is the revealer of God himself. Wow. That's amazing. You got to get this. I mean, you got to have a moment where you get this. 
You know, this is this this whole thing about Christianity is not about just going to church or being a little more religious or thinking about um, spiritual things in my life. This is it. This is it. It's having that foundation and realizing who Jesus is. I meet a bunch of people that often are not coming to church because they're struggling or they they gotten depressed over things or they got their mind on all the things that distract them in the world. You got to keep your mind on the main thing. Whatever happens in your life, whatever seems like the world is falling apart, Jesus is eternal. Jesus is God. Jesus created you. Jesus gives you real life. Jesus is your light overwhelming your darkness. Jesus is God in the flesh revealing the Father to us. So I I, I thought we'd have a little throne moment today. I'd like you to think about who Jesus Christ is and be absolutely... Have you been blown away by him lately? Have you just had your mind blown by who he is? Have you been filled with awe where you sat there and said, wow, isn't he amazing? Have you established the foundation of your faith on him? Has it clarified who you believe in and who, what you believe about God? Have you been lifted to new heights with Christ and settled who Christ is in you? I can only imagine when I walk what it will be like when I walk by your side think about it I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me I can only imagine yeah I can only imagine Sing it Surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel Will I dance for you Jesus Or in all of you be free Will I stand in your presence Or to my knees will I fall Will I sing hallelujah Will I be able to speak at all I can only imagine Yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine when that day will come and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine, think about it, when all I would do is forever forever worship you I can only imagine yeah I can only imagine come on now surrounded by your glory what will my heart feel will I stand for you Jesus or in all of you be still will I stand in your presence 
or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine, yeah, I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? I can only imagine when all I would do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. Praise you. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, we love you today. Lord, I pray that, I know there's a ton of people in here, Lord, that when we think about you, we are, we are moved. We are in awe. We're on our tiptoes saying, wow, isn't he amazing? But maybe there's some in this room, Lord, that are uh, kind of all distracted by the things of the world or stuff that's happening to us. We aren't waiting till we get to heaven. John says, know it now. This is Jesus. This is the word. This is God in the flesh. Help us, Lord, to have such foundation in our relationship with God that we recognize who Jesus really is. And that changes everything. If there's someone in this service this morning, Lord, that's not where they need to be with you, maybe, maybe they've been moved in, even in this service to commit themselves to you today. Make it a place of no doubt that Jesus Christ is God our Savior, our Lord, and we give ourselves to you. All praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen. Thank you.